Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Ad News Podcast. The podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Hi, I'm the editor of Ad News, Pippa Chambers, and this is the Ad News podcast recorded at Forbes Street Studio. This is our final podcast of the year where we look back at the biggest stories of 2018. This year was a significant year of change for the industry, with consolidation being the emerging trend across all sectors, from outdoor to publishers to agencies. In Out of Home, we saw uh, Umedia and Adshell come together and the mega merger between JC Decoe and APN. Both huge deals, but the biggest, of course, was between Nine and Fairfax. So for this podcast, I'm joined by digital editor Lindsay Bennett and Hello. our journalist Josh McDonnell. Hey. Um, so, Josh, on the subject of consolidation, uh, you know, we've seen a lot um, of the media owners, uh, you know, con- consolidation. What will this mean for next year? Uh, look, it definitely ramps up competitions on both fronts. I mean... Ooh and JC Deco are now going to be fighting tooth and nail to win those key briefs. And there's still a few out there for tender. Um, but what it does do is it gives Ooh uh, a sector of two standout leaders who I'm sure the industry will now look at to drive further change. I think that's really important, including, you know, digital measurement, verification and transparency. And I think that's going to be really important going forward. But when it comes to Nine and Fairfax, I mean, you now have like a juggernaut in 2019 whose assets outweigh its competitors in some rights. I think all eyes will be on the newsrooms. Uh, I think, you know, Nine's already stated that the journals won't be impacted, but there's still scepticism around that. And I think that's fair. Um, From there, it'll be like how they compete. I mean, Seven and News Corp already had a couple of tie-ups this year with the uh, auto trading platform announced that they're up fronts. So I'm definitely interested to see how that continues. But all that being said, I really still don't see Seven and News Corp having a bit of an acquisition trend in 2019. Hmm. Which is interesting because I think there definitely will be more consolidation next year. And knowing News Corp, they will definitely be looking at how they now compete with Fairfax. You know, they're they're fierce rivals, those two. So I can imagine News Corp is now looking uh, how they strengthen their own business to compete with the force of nine now to absorb Fairfax. Um, Consolidation also has a kind of a a huge impact on the agency world as well. The media owners, uh, media agency CEOs I speak to are saying there's less channels to choose from, which actually could 
increase the price mm. as well. Nine can, can choose more. So it has wider ramifications on the industry. Mm, definitely. And speaking of other major moves, obviously we had CBS swooping in to, to save 10 after it entered into voluntary redundancy. And obviously we had, yeah, so, I mean, that was massive. You know, that was a really exciting move for the industry. I think a lot of people were kind of excited about what this means. Uh, Josh, uh, you know, what does having CBS in this market mean for players like Stan and other t- TV networks? Um, and how do you think they're going to compete in the market? Well, look, I mean, it definitely keeps me up at night thinking about what they've got planned for little old Australia. I mean... You know, this week All Access goes live and they appoint a CBS exec to lead 10's digital sales team. So if CBS wasn't sending a message to the market that they're here this week, I don't know if they ever will. But when it comes to Stan, uh, I think, you know, Showtime, like Stan is a big part of this. I think we can't ignore um, because Showtime rumors are just going to continue to swell. I mean, obviously CBS owns Showtime and it's, you know, tied up here with Stan. And, you know, Stan CEO Mike Sneesby is still confident that that long-term deal is safe. Um, but there's, a, you know, how long does, how long it, a long-term, you know, contracts really, from what I hear, you know, two, you know, you wouldn't be signing a four-year deal. You know, how, how much is this just, uh, you know, a, he's sort of giving us that statement so people rest assured. But really, if you're Showtime, surely you're going to be pulling back on those contracts and putting them into, uh, you know, your own platform in the market. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see even if they just terminated it early and cut the losses. But, I mean, that... That's a big move as well, um, because I think Stan has had that portfolio for quite some time. So it's a big move to make. But by the same token as well, I mean, we saw how interested CBS was being tied up with news when they pulled the MCN deal. So I don't think they're going to be that keen on being tied up with Nine either. Um, But, you know, I guess from a network battleground perspective, not much changes. Um, uh, I'm not sure the TV market really changes that much because of this. I mean, 10 are still out there saying they want those younger demos nine want the main channel win and seven's happy with the total people so i think i think what it's more about is this bvod and svod offer you know um cbs all access is huge in the states and now it's here it's 10 all access i think that just puts a whole new set of competition particularly when every other bvod and svod uh, platform is doing something different you know nine's drumming up numbers so quickly seven's playing that non-mandatory game it's, and SBS continues to chug along, picking up crazy subscriber numbers as well. So I think it's just going to be a very interesting battleground for these guys when it comes to SVOD and BVOD and catch up. I just mm. don't know how they're going to get people to pay for subscribers. When everyone's got Netflix or whatever, you know, people have signed up. I just think that's where they're going to struggle, getting people over the line. I think that's probably when they start to pull back on Showtime and start mm. getting more exclusivity. Mm. What's interesting to me is now you've got 10 and CBS with obviously more of a global offering and nine with the strength of Fairfax's print assets. They can go out and market and talk about being kind of a full service shop. Seven doesn't really have a unique selling point now. Uh, And uh, we know that media agency leaders have really been impressed by the global scale of CBS and they went on the roadshow to the US and experienced what CBS can really offer on on a bigger scale. And as I said before, Nine has TV, print, digital, radio. So how does Seven stand out next year? I think for me, that would be a really interesting question to answer. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, what do you think question. of the sports, the streaming, the digital offering? Do you think, you know, and, and what were they this year? The 12th consistent in total, mm. total share. Do you think they're going to keep this up, Josh? Well, it depends. <laughs> I mean, again, like like anything, it has wider ramifications, and I just wonder if buyers are going to continue to believe that total people is what they need to buy, and that's where it comes down to. That's why that's where I think it'll get 
interesting is when when to buy sort of say, mm, no, we're more interested in, you know, the grocery shopper or the, eight, you know, 16 to 35 over the total people mm. when we buy. Well, if you look at the digital side, uh, the targeting is so niche on f- the popular platforms like Facebook, YouTube. Mm. On TV, you're just buying a lump sum. When media buyers are really getting used to buying the person, Josh, he likes sports and what else do you like? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sushi. <laughs> You know, they're, they're getting used to that type of buying. So why would they, when they turn to TV, buy a mass audience? It's, mm. it's a question that will, will definitely come up. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. I guess, you know, an, another big move, obviously, on the owner side was the MCN split from 10, which, you know, we know from our from our readers and our traffic, you know, this was a really, really hot topic. We had, you know, uh, CEO Anthony Fitzgerald, he left. That was huge. He's been a longstanding, uh, you know, key player in the industry, very successful business, which has kind of been almost unblemishable. There hasn't really been any, I guess, kind of negative stories about MCN. It's always been a bit of a powerhouse. Then they, you know, then came his exit, then came redundancies, then the split from 10 the loss of money, you know, the loss of, uh, you know, revenue from that deal. Um, I mean, what, what do we think is going to happen to MCN in 2019? Do we care as much? You know, obviously, they've still got that that huge title, which is Foxtel, you know, so they are busy. They've got some great assets. But um, a- any predictions for MCN in 2019? Well, I think they're in a tricky spot. I mean, you know, uh, there's been a lot that we've said about them this year, but I think... They're doing the right thing now by saying, well, look, here's a rebrand. We're going to refocus ourselves and rebuild. And I think that's really interesting because their strength has always been in the tech, the data and the innovation. Mm. So I think placing some focus fam- firmly back in that in 2019 will really you know, help them to accelerate back into market. Um, but obviously, look, they have a big piece of you know revenue coming from Foxtel and they really need to focus on that. That's a huge part of the business now. And They've sort of doubled down and said, we're really going to commit to, you know, making Foxtel, you know, work, I suppose, because Foxtel's not, you know, in the easiest of positions either. So I think, uh, I think the next 12 months, there's a lot of unknowns for MCN, but they also have a lot to focus on. So Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that they were successful in doing well before 10. Mm. Then the 10 deal came, you know, that was great, but it feels that the way the market perhaps talks is like, that 10, that was it, you know, that was the big thing. That was, you know, that's the undoing of them, whereas actually they were doing great things before. Hmm. So, so uh, you know, on that subject uh, of Foxtel, um, you know, many argued they were late to the market with some of their, you know, streaming offerings and, and, and breaking up the different categories, in, you know, Foxtel now and then the different uh, sections and things that you could get within that. Um what you know? What do we think? Is their streaming business going to save them with you know some of the recent changes um, with Ko? Do you want to? What are your thoughts on that Ko? Mm. Any look, the, they were late to the game, and I see why they had to be, but because they knew it would cannibalise their main subscription business and, and that source of revenue. But Ko in the, in the first few weeks has received a lot a lot of praise. I mean, notably in News Corp papers, of course. Mm. And Ko, just but for wider. those who aren't as Ophay, how would you kind of summarise that? Sports streaming service. Yeah, a dedicated sports yep. streaming service. Position very independent to, to Foxtel. Very independent. I think that's what stood out mm. to me when we were writing about it. Mm. They're talking about it very separately. There's no mention of Foxtel. If you didn't know Foxtel owned it like we did, you were, you actually wouldn't know that that was um, the relationship. And driving around Sydney, I'm seeing a lot of marketing investment, outdoor some targeting on YouTube, things like that. So they're in, they're investing heavily. They're operating it as a very separate company. Mm. It, it remains to be seen, but 
you know, we always go back to the parent test and my dad, loyal mm-hmm. Foxtel subscriber, is like, yeah, I would definitely subscribe to KO and he was looking to cancel the Foxtel subscription. Mm. So I shared the same conversation with my husband as mm. well. I was like, what about this? As we're trying to cut back and not stream it. And he was like, yeah, definitely sounds good. So that's good. Well, look, I mean, I think KO is something different. It's, I mean, I'm not sure how it'll cannibalise. I mean, it may not be extensive because as they have positioned it differently, I'm sure that they're probably looking more not to target their own people. They're looking for that younger streaming or what they keep calling the streaming generation, which is obviously the 16 to 35s. But, you know, they've got a lot to work on as well internally. They've only had Patrick Delaney in the role for about 12 months. And then they obviously had Andy Lark's uh, sudden exit there, which left a few heads being scratched. So, you know, we, we in a time where they probably need to market themselves in a really, really, you know, nuanced way, or at least, you know, with something different and quirky, I think this is going to be what they really have their eyes on in 20 you know, 2019, not so much KO because it's already been placed in its own, I guess, silo. Mm. So I think it's a bit safe. Yeah, certainly a lot going on in the media side. So obviously on, on the agency front as well, there's been, you know, some some big mergers in the last few weeks, stacks of leadership changes. Uh, you know, Lynn, t- tell us about some of these mergers. What do you think's uh, been most notable this year? Yeah, I've definitely been busy this year keeping up with the industry. Thanks, guys. Uh, most notably, WPP, which has begun uh, the consolidation of its portfolio. First, with VML and YNR to create VML YNR. Have to speak slowly to get that one. <laughs> and most recently, with JWT and Wonderman. YNR and JWT are really globally recognized brands, but in this market, and globally, they've kind of failed to really achieve the lo- what, let's say, the monkeys have done mm. here. No one really talks about them as that being big, the kind of sexy cutting, agency. Yeah, the cutting edge of creativity. So they've been merged with lesser known but more digitally focused brands of Wonderman and VML. It's kind, it's no surprise. Everyone's been talking about this for a while, even when uh, Martin Sorrell was was. In leadership, there were there was talks of mergers, but the this is definitely uh, the the new strategy put in place by Mark Reed, the new CEO. Uh, if and if you look at D- WPP, change kind of needed to be mm. made. It struggled for the last five years or so with its share price tanking, especially mm. this year. And ninety odd agencies as well. Yeah, it's it's huge, and I struggle to even write about them. You know how I'm confused by it. How would clients not be? Mm. So I, the conversations I have, it really stems back to the uncoupling of digital from the t- traditional creative shops like JWT and YNR that left these agencies kind of unable to compete in the new world order. And I think really it's the industry correcting itself. WPP has realised you need to have digital in house. You can't be sending off a digital brief. Everything's digital now. Um, and I think I've heard in market people say, oh, it's a cost-cutting measure and that that's all they're after. Look, it is. They want to save money. But it's so much bigger than that. Uh, and, some yeah, some money will be saved. But it's actually a larger strategy of future-proofing these agencies that have no life if they can't be digitally led. TV, radio, the, the, some of those mediums, the, the money there is drying up. So they need to have other kind of channels that they can tap into. Um, so that will 
continue to go on next year. You know, we've heard rumours of Ogilvy merging with various other agencies. We'll see on that front, especially locally with uh, the exit of Mike Conahan. That was a major, major move this year. He's been in the in the role a long time. There's a lot of there's a lot of global moves that are still to be seen, but. We also have the extra complication in the local market of WPP merging with STW a few years ago. So whoever comes into that role, you know, we speak internally of who we think it will be. It's a huge task mm. to mer- to follow what Mark Reed is setting in place, but also start merging more of those STW agencies. So, you know, when I look at that big map that we have up on our wall of all the agencies, I'm not so confused. Mm. <laughs> I think it is a hard task, but it's who I feel like that's two different jobs coming in, consolidating, yet at the same time, it needs a CEO who's going to help with culture and help kind of manage the people. So I almost think, do you think we will potentially see someone coming in short term to fix it, do the kind of consolidation, and then bring in someone else? Oh, it's a good question, and it depends what you believe will happen, WBP. So if you believe what I'm hearing, it'll be chopped up and sold for parts. And in that case, yeah, you'd bring in a James Warburton that led yeah. <laughs> led a merger like that who comes in, preps it for sale, preps it for whatever it needs to be. But what I think will be, I don't believe it'll be chopped up. I think they need someone that will be there long term. And I'm, I'm not, you know, who... Long term for me is five years. I don't think anyone really stays in the years uh, in the job for more than ten years anymore. But I would hope that whoever's coming in has a long term vision and is not going to be around for a year just to sell it off for parts. Because yeah. things like this will definitely impact culture, and I think that's what we hear when it comes to naming of those agencies and the rows between who goes first, YNR or VML, and how important it is, and how those you know those things really resonate or are important to people. Um, well, yeah, something we'll continue to to follow. Uh, as well as consultancies were a huge topic for us this year. Um, you know, we, we I guess we had the rise of the consultancies with them kind of infiltrating, uh, many would argue, the agencies taking slices that, that they're used to working on. At the same time, we've had agencies saying that they have been consulting for ages. This is something they've been doing. Um, why was it such a big topic this year? Mm. It was definitely a bigger topic in the first half of this year. I actually feel like it's almost cooled off, yeah. which is interesting. I think WP has kind of outshined any agency advertising kind of conversation. Uh, it is the new norm. I feel like people have come to terms with their presence. People are seeing them in pictures and it just it just is what it is. Yeah, it's the reality. So I'm hearing less concern from agencies about their presence. Also, uh, recently, Sunita Gloucester actually left PwC and joined WPP. And she was such a big hire when they started their CMO advisory, you know, competing against the agencies, competing in the marketing sector. Uh, So her move maybe signal something bigger coming in the industry. I read an opinion piece from Mark Ritson this week that said when obviously Russell Howcroft left the industry to join PwC, it was called doing a Howcroft, (laughs) which I love. And he suggested that next year we'll see more execs doing a Gloucester and and coming back to ad agencies after trialling out consultancies and realising, you know what, it's not the right culture, it's not the right environment. Um, so, 
yeah, I, I would love to report on that next year. So, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see who comes back. Maybe maybe Russell will come back. We'll see. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see. He's hanging on in there. And also it's a whole – it's such a different kettle of fish, and I think they're bringing in these execs for their experience, you know, on brand side and with clients. But from what we hear, there is some big, big targets that they have to reach, and there is a lot of pressure. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Um, so, yes, uh, on the subject of Sunita, obviously there was a lot of big exits this year. As we've already mentioned, Mike Conahan. We had Simon Ryan, who was, you know, long-serving uh, exec at Dentsu. He was Cara CEO for years, then moving up to the top job, uh, who's joining car sales. That was a that was a really big, uh, big exit. We had Paul Brooks leave Cara. Uh, we had Henry Tager arrive back in the market, take a job uh, at Amazon. Um, lots of big moves. So, Josh, I mean, what do you kind of attribute all this all this change to? Well, I think when you look at Dentsu, it's a lot. It is a lot of change. I mean, you've had three new agency leaders across Visium, Dentsu X and Cara. Um, you're currently without a top boss, as you said, who also left the agency when he was sort of saying something like, "Well, you know, we're changing the agency model. We're going in a new direction. We're leaning heavily on our diversified services." Um, and then, obviously, there's been some significant account losses, which you know are unfortunate, but do happen. I would say going into 2019, I'm not sure. I don't really know the outcome. I definitely think that they're just going to have to make a lot of firm and tricky and difficult situations, but really stick to them. I think this year there's too much movement not to go hard on securing a good leader, making sure that they don't say, okay, no, now we're changing the agency model a completely different direction. I think you just stick with what's happening and, you know, make, make it happen. Um, but also all eyes are going to be on Dentsu X as well. I think a lot of people forgot that they were championed by that federal government account, which they lost this year. That was huge. $150 million out of an, out of a loss. small agency to start with as well. Dentsu X is not the biggest agency they have by far. So that's my sort of interesting one to come out of Dentsu, mm. I think. This year was described to me as a transition year, both with people, but also global account moves. And, and I think I agree with that. When you look at the big moves, there's almost like a settling 
that mm. needs to happen, mm. which I think will happen, and that will happen next year. This year is the unsettling of a lot of leadership. I think that's just along with the the wider change that's going on in the, in the industry. Um, on the Dentsu front, what's interesting is when I speak to people, they've reminded me that something like 22 businesses that Dentsu have acquired in the last few years are approaching their earnout next year. So that's a hugely complicated task mm. to onboard those businesses. So whoever takes that role mm. is has a huge challenge. And you know what? Maybe Simon Ryan got out just in time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the same with the Conahan. I feel like we've got a lot of these big roles that are now free and I just, I'm not sure they're that appealing. You know, and especially even if you look at Dentsu, they've had a lot of account losses as you mm. said and I kind of think it kind of reminds me when I look back I mean not not as dramatic as this but to Mediacom when they were looking for a CEO for a very long time they got a Sean you know Sean Seymour and he came in did a good job you know and then kind of left after a few years um, I just think it's potentially going to be tricky to, to fill some of those roles mm. um, and maybe you know people like Simon Ryan, Ryan joining car sales Henry Tanger joining Amazon maybe that's not a bad move you know maybe I guess a lot of these execs have maybe done their time in agencies and it's time to uh, sort of try something new it's a hard gig mm. who, who would want it I would not be putting my hand up for either of those roles um, and yeah it's a challenge industry I think the WPP role has so many global tie-ups mm. and then also the added complexity of the local STW merger mm. they're, they're very complicated tasks so from people I speak to definitely in the Dentsu front everyone Everyone says it'll be someone from overseas. Yeah, yeah. that's the business. Yeah. yeah. WPP, there's a few names that are floating around. But really, they're, they're huge jobs. And whoever wants to get involved in that has to be hungry, mm. has to want it, mm. has to be up for the next few years of a real fight, not only in the organisation, but in the press. WPP mm. gets a bloody beating. Mm. Maybe sometimes must, but <laughs> mainly globally. <laughs> but also, like this, they need to start making these decisions like soon as well. You know, I know obviously we're going into the end of the year, in, into the beginning of the new, but these are two holding groups that have, as you said, yeah, copped some flack this year. So you really need a leader to come in soon and step in hard and fast yeah. and be ready to take this on. Because how does that trickle down and impact clients? You know, without a senior leader for a long time, you've got to, you know, there, there must be ramifications. This must both trickle down. Both of them down. are still in their roles, though. Yeah, so yeah that's they, true. They have some leeway. So yeah. I think, yeah, they both end the end of this yeah. year. But yeah. so they'll... Well, a couple of weeks, I Surely think. there'll be yeah. um, an announcement in Jan, Feb. Uh, I think Dentsu will be early. Yeah, Dentsu will be early. like to take their time on things. Yeah, but got to get it right. We're yeah. all watching. Um, and I guess the pitch cycle did not slow down. Uh, perhaps not as many uh, big accounts were up for grabs, uh, but a trend was obviously the global pitches, uh, like Amex moving its global account, uh, global media account to UM, uh, Mindshare taking out global media for Mondelez. On the creative side, WPP lost its biggest client, Ford, and publicists picked up Mercedes-Benz. Feels like increasingly there's just so many global pitches that are just ripped out of the hands of our, of our kind of our local agencies. Um, you know, do you, has, do you feel there's been more more global pitches? Because it seems like it. Mm, 100%. It's definitely a conversation I'm having in market. They're becoming more frequent, which 
is concerning for the Australian market just because of our size and we're an expensive market because of our size. Mm. Uh, and a, a margin that works in North America or London is not going to work here. So what we're actually doing by sometimes agreeing to these global pitches is introducing an unsustainable model into this market. And I've spoken to a lot of execs about this. HQ says, we're taking this account. You'll be on this margin. Australia goes, our margin needs to be 5% higher. They go, too bad. It's a holding group P&L that you're working into. Mm. And at the holding group level, it makes sense. But here, it, it doesn't. And the conversations I'm having is, yeah, you might kind of win a few free kicks when you have more of a network model, uh, but Australia doesn't have a lot of sway in the negotiations and it doesn't actually bring a lot of joy to local agencies unless you're winning something for free. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the pit's right as well when you get them taken away from you. And I suppose that's always going to be the case. It's, it is a cycle. So it will, it comes around and goes, but I think what's the solution? Like, does Australia have to become a market in its own right then? Like, obviously you said we're small and expensive. How do we, <laughs> how do we separate ourselves from a global pitch? How do we? It just feels like it's out of our control. It's yeah, out of exactly. our control. But I mean, I think all you can do is, which is what I think a lot of the execs say, which is just take the punches mm. and really work hard on winning those lucrative local clients who you can sort of control the margins with and you can have those, like, I guess, deeper conversations with to explain <laughs> how our market works. Yeah. But, I'm not sure anything's going to change in the short term, but I really hope that there can be some sort of solution in the long term. There's, there's pockets of interesting agencies mm. fighting back or not fighting back, but maybe not participating in the global mm. pitch race to the bottom. WPP has definitely raced the bottom. Uh, sorry, not raced the bottom, but they've gone after mm. those global pitches. Maybe so as publicists. But if you look at Omnicom, let's say DDB, all of their clients largely are local clients. Same with OMD. A mm. lot of them are local clients. So it's actually investing in those local clients rather than chasing global clients, which are great for the network, but as I said, not great for Australia. Yeah. Mm. So uh, where you know we haven't really touched on the independence here as well. Um, what was the pitch the other day? And it was they didn't want any net, any big networks involved. You know, is this something where indies are indies going to win out? Are they you know where are they where are they? Yes, in this? that was bigger. So. Bega decided they don't want to work with a holding group after their relationship with Cara mm. and they appointed Thinkabell, but it was an independence-only pitch, which to me was so interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty cute. Because that really shows how much some clients are frustrated by the the various politics within a holding group. Um, and... It's hugely beneficial mm. to indies. I think we'll see that continue to move forward. Also, there's a huge trend towards the reintegration of media and creative. And if you look at who can do that, it's the likes of Thinkabell. Whereas in comparison, agencies like TBWA, DDB, they're part of a wider network that need the media businesses mm. to thrive. Same with Group M. Mm. You know, they don't want to cannibalise 
their, their media offerings within the network. So they're not going to start doing full service as much as they would like to, mm. which puts indies in a really good place. Mm. And maybe we need more of these brands like Bega, these local brands, to be calling these independent pitches. You know, if they want us to help support them as a local brand, maybe it's time that they now give back to our industry and, and kind of maybe focus on the independents. Um, so obviously we had a lot of big accounts up this year. Um, just at a glimpse, who would you say were the biggest ones? On the creative side, uh, Ad News revealed this week that MNC Saatchi had taken out the Tourism Australia creative account, which is actually not a huge spend for how much hype it gets, but it is such a high-profile and prestigious account because of the global kind of significance it has if you look at the Dundee work that was in the mm. Super Bowl. Uh, and and publicists Digitas took the account on the digital side. Uh, other other kind of creative appointments was Virgin Australia, which m- moved from Clemenjar to DDB. Amazon, which elected TBWA and Ogilvy, um, which they never announced, but we know because Amazon cannot talk to the media. Uh, Another huge account, but not actually a very interesting pitch, was David Jones, which actually moved away from their creative agency in favour of design agency Maud. And there's also a few other big ones to be announced. Defence Force is a few weeks away. Uh, Same with TAC. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. There wasn't. It wasn't a year of huge, no, huge big, accounts, big. but there were some interesting ones. And if you look at David Jones moving to a design agency rather than appointing creative agency, mm. previously they worked with TBWA. It's a quite an interesting shift mm. to see if that trend continues, moving away from the big shops to mm. something smaller because they took a lot of things in-house. Mm. And is that also because David Jones don't do that that big TVC anymore? I think they've traditionally said they've pulled back from the TV ads apart from the big clearance or the sales. You know, maybe that, that I guess that works, that fits it's more in line. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where creative agencies are reinventing the wheel at the moment. TV budgets are not as much. Historically, that's what they relied on. Mm. But... TBWA, for example, to to hold the David Jones account, they needed to have a design agency. So I'm sure after that, they probably, you know what we need to do? Build this type of different offering for the next fashion client. So while the accounts went huge, they definitely showed where the industry is heading. And media pitches, media pitch. Everyone loves a, uh, you know, there's a few big budgets out there. Josh. Everyone uh, likes to read the dollar signs. Yeah. I mean, well, the biggest fish of them all, I've already mentioned it, was the federal government account, but 150 million in billings and what a win for UM. And on that point too, what a year for UM? Uh, Let's just go through them. Uh, FedGov, Nestle, $50 million. AGL, another 23. Amex in a global. A cheeky Heineken account for $3.5 million and consolidating their Lion portfolio. All this year under Fiona Johnston, who's only been there for over a year. Like, it's 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 pretty big for you, Em. And uh, I think the, the old adage goes, you know, heads down, bums up for 2019, right? Like, I mean, don't let anything slip. Mm. Um, but then you've got some of the other big guns with Suncorp slinging at $70 million, a $70 million account over to OMD, which is huge. Uh, you know, uh, publicist nabs GSK in a global win, uh, alongside Luxottica this week, which does Ray-Ban. Um, and then M2M, they drove away with Hyundai. I got to use that pun for $51 million. I'm pretty happy with that one. And then, um, Mindshare scores itself that, uh, $40 million Mondelez Mm. account. 
Um, and then obviously there were other stuff. There were more government account wins. You know, Initiative got themselves a seat at the table for WA, which was $60 million. And uh, Starcom scored the Football Federation of Australia account as well. But then, you know, don't forget about people like Havas as well, who had a slew of retail client wins. And they also took on the challenge of working for Foxtel's KO streaming service, which we should discuss. And then obviously those key retentions, like Disney sticking with Dentsu and Officeworks with Initiative. But how fun has the carousel been this year? Yes, like, holy hell, look at yeah, all that money. It's definitely kept us busy. And there's still a lot of pictures still out there. Hopefully we uh, will uh, we'll get to hear more about them before Christmas. So, uh, and obviously there was also the subject of the, you know, some of the big one models, the publicist one, and, you know, we can't get it all into this podcast. But looking ahead uh, and also uh, for 2019, uh, we think radio is going to continue uh, on that big trend. You know, media spends up, same yeah. with Out of Home, successful channel, we've got, I mean, they're both making money and they're projected to, you know, take another 2% of media spend, which is so impressive. Yeah, really impressive. I mean, don't don't change what's not, you know, not needing fixing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's pretty simple that Out of Home have obviously, you know, been on a great run this year, but Radio's, yeah, done some amazing stuff. Um, Nova on a merger and acquisition run as well, got their events, their esports, and I think you'll see more of the same for them in 2019. Yeah. And then publishing, publishing wise, you know, again, another year with, with a few chops uh, of publications, you know, sad, but inevitable print, you know, does struggle and has struggled uh, for, for certain publications. Uh, Linz, a bit of a recap of, of what we lost this year. Yeah, look, uh, there was there was a few cuts, as always. Actually, both were Bauer and Pack Mags, the biggest magazine kind of businesses in Australia, were on the quieter side, um, but that said, Bauer still closed its its Cosmo title. It sold off a number of its titles, like Australian Geographic, and it merged the teams of Harper's Bazaar and L. But compared to 2017, they actually had a much quieter year, both Bauer and Pac Mags. Of course, Bauer unfortunately had the uh, Rebel Wilson lawsuit, which made global news due to kind of her celebrity status, but also because of the implications it had for other publications on defamation payouts. Yeah, defamation law is would have been blown out of the mm. water. I mean, like mm. anyway, you know, it was like four million plus what she what Bauer was ordered to pay. So it definitely had other publishers sweating. In the end, a lot of back and forth, a lot of court dates. I was sick of writing about it, but she was awarded six hundred k, which is which is a pretty fair payout. That's I think, in line. yeah. That's so in... that that's pretty standard. The the four point one million or whatever it was yeah, was crazy. completely blown out and definitely had a lot of people scared. Yeah, awesome. Uh, well, no, not not well, awesome. Not for awesome her. for Val. <laughs> not awesome for Val. <laughs> um, and I guess um, you know, let's let's move on to to some predictions. Uh, so I'm going to say, you know, we haven't had time to go into to Facebook, digital platforms, inquiries, lots of that to come next year. I think we're going to see TV and Facebook. I don't think that's going to, uh, there's no no shine, uh, no sign of, of those two kind of letting up. I think the, uh, the, the opinion pieces, war between each other, I think that's going to carry on for 2019. Um, same with the streaming as, as we've covered. Uh, I'd like to see ad tech come back with a, a, a few more exciting news stories. I think they really, it's really kind of died down. I think a lot of people have got their heads down um, this year. Uh, perhaps just not been as, as, as many exciting stories there. So predictions from you guys, Linz? 
Yeah, look, I'd say I'd say more mergers for WPP. That's an easy prediction at mm. this point. I'd say more network agencies like TBWA and DDB moving into media buying and more acquisitions from consultancies. I'm keeping it simple. Mm. That's my predictions. Well, I'm going to touch on the, the one that we obviously haven't mentioned, which is sport. Uh, two of the biggest sporting... There's guys. a reason we haven't mentioned that, Josh, because uh, Pippa and I... <laughs> and we also haven't... <laughs> well, I'm going to touch myself about it. We're not it sporty. <laughs> I mean, but cricket and tennis swap networks, that's huge. And um, I'll only touch on it like quickly, but I'll seriously be watching out for nine to see if they can ace with the Aussie Open and see if Seven and Foxtel can, you know, obviously hit that coverage for six. Um, I'll say this much. I mean, don't expect to see me anywhere but the couch. Like, There might be a bit of working from home during the test games, I think, just to see for research purposes how that coverage works. But I suppose from a prediction point of view, I think they'll both actually have a really challenging year. I don't think this is going to be easy. I don't think this is a walk in the park for either network. Um, There's a lot of kinks to work out, and I think there's a lot of Australians out there who take sport way too seriously, but they're always the loudest ones. So you've got to watch out for, I suppose, what they say. But the other is obvious. I expect uh, Nine, Ooh, and JC to co to just bed down their businesses rather than, you know, go out to the market with statements of grandeur to say, we're here, we're ready. I think it's about getting the platforms together, the tech stacks, the culture creation, all that exciting stuff that they'll just have to really work on in the, in the quiet, I think. So, yeah, that's my prediction. Awesome. Okay. So that's it from the Ad News editorial team. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And- Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. We'll see you next year. Bye.